Welcome to the Broken Fabulous Podcast, where all that glitters can be gold in your world. Join me in this week's episode as I inspire, guide, and motivate you through sharing my tips and secrets on how to live your most fabulous life. Check, check. Great, this is fun. Hey everybody, it's Nita J, and I am here with this week's episode of Broken Fabulous. This episode, we're just going to jump and dive right in because this episode is basically all about me and my background. So, I am just a girl from the south side of Chicago living her most broke and fabulous life in Los Angeles. Some of you decided to listen to this podcast called Broken Fabulous for whatever reasons. My guess is that you can relate to the title. You're either one or both. You're broke, you're fabulous, or broke and fabulous. In my case, I'm both of them. (laughs) So we're going to just jump right on back to the story about me being from Chicago. And I'm going to let you guys know that I was born and raised in Chicago. And when anyone asked me, Where I'm from, I automatically say the South Side. Listen, if someone cannot tell you what side they are from in Chicago, that means they are most likely from a suburb. And I pride myself on being from Chicago, and I really, really love my city. Um, I was recently home um, doing some research, and uh, I was talking to my mom, and I found out a lot of things that I didn't know for a start. For starters, um, she lived in a two-bedroom apartment um, in the South Shore neighborhood with my biological father and three brothers and sisters while she was pregnant with me. And I asked her, I said, you know, Ma, how was that? And you know what she said? She said, Chad, it was ghetto. It was ghetto fabulous. And you know what? I was not shocked. I could believe her. I could believe her. She said uh, she lived in a big white house with three levels, and she lived on the first floor. And she told me uh, the story that one day somebody broke into the house and stole her purse. Now, she didn't have any money in it, but, you know, it's just the principle of the matter that someone had the nerve to rob a woman with four kids. I mean, this is Chicago for you, okay? I am not going to sugarcoat anything. The neighborhood was and still is rough. And anyone that lives in the South Shore neighborhood, I want to apologize in advance for giving this little tip out for everyone. Do not go. I do not recommend Berry Ghetto um, as a zero out of zero. Do not go to this neighborhood for anything. Don't even go to Rainbow Beach. It's not the beach to go to in Chicago. But um, my mom uh, ended up moving out of that neighborhood and we moved to this neighborhood called Chatham. And this is the neighborhood that I remember because we lived with my great grandmother and my great grandfather. I remember the house being in the middle of the street. So we walked in the side door and we entered my great grandmother's house. But I remember that we lived upstairs and like this one bedroom apartment thing. It was not like an attic. It wasn't an attic at all. It had uh, a kitchen, there was a living room, there was a bathroom, and 
there was one bedroom upstairs. I remember that I used to sleep in the living room on like this sofa situation with a bunch of quilts, but you know, we had to make do with what we had. Um, but I love my great grandmother and my great grandfather's house. I spent a lot of time in my great grandmother's bedroom where I had no business being in, in the first place. She told me I was always meddling with her things. And I didn't know what that meant then, but I was in her stuff. I'm not going to lie. I loved her room. And I loved the way it made me feel. There was something so regal about her bedroom. And I wanted to just feel all of that. I wanted all of that en energy too. Um, she had white carpeted floors. She had a gold canopy bed and she had a dresser to match her bed. And then like this beautiful vanity mirror. And I was just so obsessed with it. Um, and then she had these gold chandelier lamps and on the lamps, there were these, uh, prism crystals on her nightstand and whenever the sun would reflect on it you, you know with prisons you see like these rainbows and i would just play with them on the carpet now i don't know if this is where i got my first taste of being fabulous from but my great-grandmother was simply everything to me but i'm gonna tell you as much as i was in her room i got a lot of whoopings mm-hmm for being all in her stuff. I was in her wigs, I was in her stockings, y'all, I was in her jewelry, and then I had the nerve to be in her like powdered perfumes. And um, I lied to her a lot. I had the nerve to lie to my great grandmother. And it was every time she asked me if I was in her stuff. And I would lie to her and say no, while I had a wig on, while I had powder everywhere. And you know what, I'm not gonna hold y'all. I deserved every whooping I got from her. So, um, I, I, God rest her soul, but my great-grandmother, she was, she was amazing. Um, I'm going to jump into telling you guys a little secret about me. So, I have a nickname. Uh, my family calls me Hollywood. So, uh, around the age of seven or six, six or seven, let's say that, my grandfather gave me this nickname, Hollywood, or he would call me Erica Kane. And this should give you an idea about my personality. Um, for those who really know me, they know that I've been this, this way since a child. Uh, my entire family will tell you this is who Nidra is. Um, but I have to give credit to my mom for uh, my vivid imagination and my infatuation with this fabulous lifestyle. See, I was the type of child that was either in trouble or out of trouble. There was no in-between, um, but she found a way for me to stay busy and keep me out of trouble, and that was through television. So my mom, she would sit me down in front of the TV to watch old Hollywood movies and what they call stories. And for those of you don't, who don't know what stories is, is it's like a soap opera. It's like General Hospital, All My Children, you know, those stories um, that you will watch if you're at home from school sick or pretending to be sick. You had to sit down and watch soap operas with whatever adult was at home. 
So that's what I did, but I would go mimic everything that I saw. Um, and my mom, she saw that I was interested in these Hollywood movies and soap operas. And she just kept showing me different movies and explaining different actresses to me. And guess what? I wanted to be all of them. And I did everything I saw those actresses doing. So um, that's where my nickname Hollywood came from because I truly thought I was gonna be an actress or acted as a little diva at the age of six or seven. So with that information, um, I went ahead and found inspiration through these actresses like Dorothy Dandridge, Eartha Kitt, Lena Horne, Marilyn Monroe, uh, Elizabeth Taylor, and Audrey Hepburn. And I fantasize about living the lives of one of their characters in these movies that I saw. And I wanted to look like them. I wanted to live their lives. So I started doing things that were like a little weird. Um, I wanted long, beautiful, silky, shiny hair. So I would put a pillowcase on my head and walk around the house with it on. And then I would sit in the bathroom in the mirror pretending to reenact certain scenes. I kind of still do that today, but you know, that's that's uh, that's something I'm never gonna stop doing. But other times, uh, my mom and my sisters and I, we we watched and listened to a ton of old music, like the ODs, the Dusties, like all that good stuff. Then uh, I want to say uh, people like Diana Ross and the Supremes, Aretha Franklin, Natalie Cole, Tammy Terrell, Donna Summer, and Tina Turner, just to name a few. So. I was a very dramatic and entertaining child. I cannot lie to you guys. I was, I was, I was, I was that child. <laughs> um, I remember making it my business to learn how to walk in my mom's heels too. So I was sneaking into her closet while she wasn't at home, and I would be in her heels, and I'd just be walking around upstairs, click clacking around. Um, and wearing her nightgowns and I was yeah I was making a lot of noise I'm yeah I was making too much noise and guess who would catch me nope it wasn't my great-grandmother it was actually my great-grandfather and he would come up the stairs with a leather belt that we called the butter belt and I would get my behind whooped so good y'all and I knew it was because I was interrupting him praying so yeah I was I was I was I was just being a child, uh, not caring about anybody else. And, you know, to this day, I do not regret getting caught because now I am a pro at walking in hills. Hello. Um, so um, just to keep the story going, I was also a crafty kid as well. I learned how to sew from my great grandmother and my mom. I was hand sewing. Um, before I got to kindergarten. And in kindergarten, I was taking a home economics sewing class. And believe it or not, my mom, she still has my first sewing project hanging in her closet. Um, and this was my life as a child, um, as a very, very young child. And I, I figured, I, you know what, I made that up for myself. And 
you know, nothing could go wrong as long as I lived in, in my great grandmother's house. And then everything went left when we had to move. And after living in Chatham, um, we moved to one of the worst slums in Chicago. Um, in fact, we moved to one of the largest public housing projects in the world. And we found ourselves in the projects that they called the Robert Taylor Homes. You guys can go Google that, but I'm just gonna briefly tell you about the Robert Taylors. So the Robert Taylors were like a war zone. Hell on earth, the trenches. We lived in the actual ghetto at this point. And you know, I've seen things as a child that no one should see. Um, I've seen like my brothers almost get jumped or did get jumped. Um, it was just horrible. You know, we couldn't enter our apartment building without gang members checking us. Um, smell like urine every day in the halls. There is a gate um, uh, separating the building from the actual brick. So it was like a prison and it was, it was pretty depressing if you had to live there. And you know what? The elevators didn't even work. So uh, it, was, it, was, it wasn't great. We weren't used to living in these conditions. Um, we heard gunshots every night. Um, I can tell a gunshot from a firecracker to this day. Um, there was always fights going on and we could see that right outside our window. It wasn't, we didn't have to go far to see violence. I mean, you guys see it on TV today, but literally all we had to do was step outside and there it was. Um, and it was truly a blessing to leave home and come back in one piece living and the Robert Taylors. And, you know, my family had it, we had it rough. I'm not gonna lie, that, that was rough. It was rough and it was our first time um, realizing that we were poor and my mom was broke. I never knew um, what we didn't have and what we needed until we moved there. We lived off uh, government assistance, public aid is what they called it. and. I didn't see a food stamp until we got to the projects. My mom hid that she was on public assistance or public aid while living at my great-grandmother's house. But when we got there, she would be like, oh, go run to the store. And it was this this paper money. I'm like, what is this? It's not a real dollar because it was a food stamp. So we went through that. Um, we got food from places where they were giving out free food. Um, I remember our cabinets, uh, the food that we got and inside the cabinets, there were like these labels and these black and white boxes. And it, it just, no color at all. It, it just said what it was in, in the box, like peanut butter or cereal. <laughs> um, no Frosted Flakes, no uh, Peter Pan peanut butter. It was just peanut butter or cereal. And y'all, y'all, I don't know if y'all can relate. Nope, some of y'all may not relate to this, but I'm going to tell you. It was powdered milk. It said it on the box, powdered milk. And it said, just add water. And we used to have to put sugar 
and this powdered substance to give it a little flavor. I'm saying it's just, it was disgusting. You know, by no means were we spoiled. We just didn't know what this new life was that we were living. Like we ate and did what we needed to do, but you know, we were we were grateful that we had food until my mom figured like really figured things out. And you know, there were days where we ate from like this greasy hole in the wall that was down the street and you know, uh, you get we got tired of eating it. I mean, to this day, I will not eat what they call a pizza puff. It's just this stuffed beef mozzarella thing. I I won't eat it to this day because we ate ate too many and ate so many. So um, we also um, we got meals from the Boys and Girls Club. Shout out to the Boys and Girls Club of Chicago because they. They really helped me and my brothers and sisters in some days eat meals that we didn't know where our next meal was coming from. Um, and then we also lived with unwanted roommates in the projects. And these roommates were called roaches, okay? I do not get down with roaches. I don't get down with bugs like that. I can spot a roach from a mile away or an inch away or whatever, how many meters away. If you have roaches, we are not cool. <laughs> we are not cool because I am still traumatized to this day from living with roaches, no matter if they brought an exterminator in or there's one roach, there's a million out somewhere else. The roaches are terrible. So, um, those were those were really rough times and you know there was still some type of beauty while living in Chicago and living in the projects because you know I had great days in my childhood um we were always going to parks uh attending somebody's barbecue we went to theme parks um went to the the beaches there um we ran around the neighborhood a lot, getting into stuff we had no business getting into. Um, we tried to hustle the candy lady with no money, and she would always be, you know, be nice to us. And then uh, we spent a lot of time with my aunt and uncle. They uh, they helped raise me and my brothers and sisters. So uh, we spent a lot of time with them, and then we were very very much so into church so we went to church as much as we could so that kept us off the street and you know what um i want to tell you guys i i truly thank god that we made it out of the robert taylors and it was it was like a miracle one night um my grandfather uh literally came to rescue us one one morning it was super early i remember it um and he told us to pack what we needed because we're going to live with him. Now, um, my brothers and sisters woke up and they packed clothes. And I'm gonna tell you, y'all will not believe what I packed. I had a backpack full of coloring books, some pencils, maybe some crayons, some stickers, some little trinkets and charms, and I took the cat with us, y'all. <laughs> I took the cat with us and I didn't bring any of my clothes and my grandfather lived about 30 minutes outside of Chicago in this suburb and we never saw the projects ever again we never went back so anything that I left back there 
stayed there because we never returned. So um, I'm, I'm very grateful for that experience and having tough skin growing up in the ghetto and, you know, experiencing that. So I know that I would never, ever want to return or be a part of, of an environment like that. Um, now that we were, um, we've moved to the suburbs, I was in unfamiliar territory. Um, and um, it was a bit of an adjustment because people did things different there. Um, and I wasn't your typical child. Um, I remember going to school and finding out that we had to wear something that was called a uniform. Most of you may know what this is now. Um, it was the ugliest color combination that I've ever seen in my life. It's a white tops and navy blue bottoms. Ugh. I, I really thought to myself, I said, you know, how am I going to be myself wearing this? No one's going to get me and no one's going to see my style because, like I said before, I was, I was a different type of child. I wore a lot of sweaters. I wore brooches, I wore clip-on earrings, <laughs> and I wore a lot of dresses. So I was very much so different. And and I think my mom, she, she just wasn't prepared for that. Um, she wasn't prepared to buy uniforms. So uh, the first couple of weeks of school, we had to wear whatever she found in her closet. And when I tell you wearing a white blouse in the 90s that belonged to your mom, was definitely not cool and we wore whatever people donated to us and entering a new school I will tell you the bullies were real I was bullied for what I wore and what I looked like and it was something I had never experienced before like people coming at me because of what I had on because I didn't have on you know what are these Jordans and Reeboks? They I, somehow they knew I had on Payless shoes, and they would do that whole Payless shoes and got no grip, make you fall and bust your lip. I will never forget that. It was the first time I heard that. Like, what is this? They're they're making up jingles about Payless shoes, and it wasn't fun. Um, coming to school every day to someone cracking jokes as soon as you walk through the door. I'm like, my. God, this is torture. And it was torture. You know, I haven't heard of half the things the kids were talking about, but they laughed at me anyway. I, I really didn't get the jokes, but once you got five to ten kids laughing at you in a classroom full of 28 people, I mean, what do you do? Couldn't crawl inside my desk, you know? And at that time, I really did care too much. I cared too much, and I couldn't do anything about it, but Asked for a hall pass to go to the bathroom and go cry. I begged my mom and my granddad to let me go to private Christian school so I can escape the torture. And, you know, some days I just didn't want to go to school. I stayed home. That's where, that's where I wanted to be. I wanted to be at home with my mom and watch stories and watch old Hollywood movies. I wanted to be comfortable, but I had to learn. You know, these bullies made you feel like you had no business being on earth. And I, I don't wish that on anybody, you know. And I truly learned how cruel and evil kids could be. So um, just a little PSA out here, parents. Uh, 
teach your kids not to bully other kids and, you know, do what's right. Don't laugh. Don't crack jokes. It's, it's, it was hard. But in that process, I, I began to create my own dream world or my dream life where I had diaries and journals. I scrapbook a lot. I did. I um, had a lot of stationery, and unbeknownst to me at the time, I was creating vision boards. I collected magazines from any place that seemed like they didn't have use for, like, old magazines. I would just take them out the dentist's office, take them out the doctor's office, any place we went to where I saw an old magazine, and I'm like, nobody's using this, I would just take it with me. I know that was stealing, but they didn't miss it. So um, I just cut out and pasted anything that um, that I saw that I was like, okay, I like this. I'm just going to paste it here. And I put those in the book that I was that I was making and I would write poems or write my feelings and just put those pictures next to it. And, you know, I, I really wish I still had those books today, but my granddad, he, he was not a fan of keeping paper. You know what he would say? He would say, you're going to start a spontaneous combustion. And I'm like, what is that? And then I Google it. It's like starting a fire <laughs> because paper is there. Paper just starts fire. And I'm like, this, this is ridiculous. But, you know, I had to throw out so much stuff and he, he just wasn't a hoarder. So we had to respect that. And looking through those magazines and flipping through, you know, tabloids and stuff, I would always tell myself, like, you know what, when I grow up, I'm going to get caught by the paparazzi walking down the street, and I'm going to have the most amazing outfit on, I'm going to look so good, I'm going to be smiling and waving at them. But you know what, I came to realize, you know what, that is not possible because... I couldn't be a glamour girl and I went through my childhood trying to reinvent my look and find ways to be stylish and that I went through those you know motions and I went through the phases of all of that and it was kind of hard to do that with sisters I had three other I have three other sisters um and I would dress in different eras. So like I would dress like I was in the 20s, in the 60s, in the 80s. And that was not flying with my sisters. We're in the 90s, guys. They was not trying to see me look like a flapper girl. They was not trying to see me wear uh, culottes and poodle skirts. They was not with it. <laughs> But I was trying to be different and, you know, be cool in my own way. And, you know, that was my idea of being fabulous. I dressed the way I felt and I was like, I feel good. But you know what? Other people didn't think so. They did not think so. Um, I shared clothes with my sisters and we wore a bunch of hand-me-downs. And that was like a family tradition. And I was not a fan of it. We um, we wore hand-me-downs and we would shop at the Goodwill and the thrift stores. 
And this is before it became like popular to go thrifting. And I still struggle with thrifting today because I'm like, good Lord, do you know how it feels to walk into a Goodwill or a thrift store and smell mothballs? Listen, the smell would smack you right in the face soon as you entered in and I'm like oh my god this is the worst smell in the world but I learned to like hold my breath a little bit and exhale a little bit uh, as I went through the clothes and you go through the racks and you're trying to find stuff that makes sense to wear or try to find stuff that was trendy but then that was never the case I don't know how my sisters found clothes to wear and I was the one always wearing sweaters and vests and dresses but you know, I wanted something new in my wardrobe, so I did what I had to do. You know, I always found something that was cool to me, and sometimes I would, you know, venture off and look at little records or little trinkets, but I would always find, like, the coolest jewelry to me. So um, I called them treasures, and they would come in, like, Ziploc bags, like, oh my god so much jewelry in a ziploc bag for like a dollar i was so happy with that i would buy so many bags of jewelry it was like pearls and brooches and little gems and costume jewelry i was happy it made me feel special i um i can remember like wearing uh no no buying uh these glasses I mean, they were the coolest lenses that I've seen, and I couldn't see out of them. Couldn't see a lick out of them, but I used to wear them around because I thought I was cool. I really did, and I, I feel like I was misunderstood with my style because people told me I dressed like a granny, and it was always, ooh, girl, why you got that on? Or take that off. You look like a goofy, and I hated it. I hated it. I really did. But I was trying to stay true to myself. And uh, I kind of I got over it after a while. It still hurt to be called a granny or, you know, I look goofy. But what, what do you do? You just kind of stick it out and forget what people say. So um, I'm going to jump into the next thing and tell you guys about my phase of becoming fabulous and that is me window shopping <laughs> and I'm a serial window shopper until this day because of this story that I'm going to tell you guys so I became infatuated with window shopping when my granddad took me downtown for the first time and it was on the metro train and he showed me how to get downtown where to get off and what to do and I remember that day because got on the train, he paid for his ticket, and they didn't ask me where my ticket was. And I looked at him like, I don't have a ticket. And he said, oh, you don't have to pay. And I was young then. So, hello, I don't have to pay? I'm going to remember this. So we get downtown, and I immediately fall in love. All the skyscrapers, all the stores, I was just like, oh, my God. God, look at this place. It's so beautiful. And I saw all the retail stores while being there. And 
um, I went down to some department store with him. I think it was like Macy's or Sears. And I just loved everything about it. I, I couldn't believe my eyes. Like, look at all these clothes. Look at all these mannequins. Look at all these people. I was so, so, so happy to be down there. And he was just there picking up suits and shirts for his vacations. You know, I didn't mind hanging out with him. I was like, all right, this is pretty cool. And, you know, when it was time um, to leave, I w we got back on that train and we went back home. But I remember that route. And uh, I'm going to tell you, I was a sneaky little mischievous child when it came down to finding things to do that no one else was doing. So um, I went back downtown. I got back on that metro train. I knew the route. And I would go right back to those stores that my granddaddy took me to. And go down for a couple hours and be back home before the street lights went on. Um, nobody knew where I was because I would say, hey, uh, I was at the library or I was down at the park or I was riding my bike. Nobody was checking for me. So that was my alibi. Um, um, sorry, mom, if you're listening. I was downtown window shopping. <laughs> And uh, by the time I got in high school, um, this window shopping still went on because um, we would spend summers at my granddad's house, me and my sisters. And my granddad, he didn't live too far from the mall. So we would walk down to the wall, um, down to the mall, excuse me. And um, I would still window shop. And it was a bad habit. Like, my sisters and I, we didn't have allowances. We didn't have money like that. So what did we do? We went down to the mall. We listened to music at the record stores. And we would go to different stores. And they would not try anything on. It was me. I was trying on so many clothes, so many outfits. And... The sales associates, I don't know who they were. I was so young, but I would tell them every day that we would go there. I would say, oh, you know, I'll be back to get this tomorrow. And you know what I would do? I would go back the next day and try on something else and tell them the same thing over and over and over again. And I just wanted to know what I looked like in those clothes. You know, we had those little magazines with the girls and like the latest clothes and I, I really just wanted to know what I would look like and I went and tried it on there was no shame in my game so the you know by the time that I kind of blossomed into who I wanted to become that was I want to say my junior year of high school when I finally got two jobs, I know that's right. <laughs> you know, I, I started to go, you know, get my hair done. And I invested into like my little wardrobe for the next school year. And I, I literally wore heels every day that I had to be at school. And I was, I was tapped into becoming Nidra. I, I, I felt good about myself. Um... I thought I looked good. I felt good. Um, I, I, I still was getting bullied. Some people still had stuff to say, but, you know, I didn't care. 
And it was like by the end of my senior year, I definitely knew who I was. And I was feeling myself. Yeah, I was feeling myself. The end of senior year, uh, I looked different. I was wearing a little makeup. Um, I smiled more, I want to say. You know, I had fun with friends. And um, by the time um, I started college, I was full on, uh, full on uh, fabulous. Could nobody tell me a thing, you know? Um, I realized the, the the effect money had on my appearance, and you know there is, there is some truth to that saying that says you're not ugly, you're just broke. Because once I had a little money in my pocket, I looked good, I felt good. <laughs> I feel like James Brown. I feel good, <laughs> and that, and that's what it was. I looked good. I felt good. You know. And um, at that time, I remember I was watching uh, a lot of reality TV and shout out to Kamora Lee Simmons because her reality TV show, Life in the Fab Lane, it changed my life. Like by the time that show came out, I channeled in Kamora Lee Simmons like I was her. I used to go around telling people I'm a model. I'm a mother and a mogul. I was so extra, like, oh my, I didn't even have kids. I didn't have a modeling career and I wasn't a mogul, but I said this thing every day. I'm a model, I'm a mother and a mogul. And this is my life. I thought I was freaking Kamora Lee Simmons and just, I had that boost of confidence after having no self-esteem was the best feeling. I I keep saying everything's the best feeling in the world, but once you're over certain things, like feeling bad for yourself and you gain some type of self-confidence, it it really, truly feels good. And, you know, after that phase, I went through that phase where I just had a lot of confidence. I knew I looked good. I was outside a little bit. Uh, um, I, I, uh, I kind of moved back to Chicago, um, and I got a job out there. I was dating a guy. We lived together, yada, yada, yada. (laughs) And I found myself doing the exact same things that I did when I was in high school. I was still window shopping. I was always exploring the city, and that was before and after work because I just loved the city so much. Um, I felt like Carrie Bradshaw, and I told myself, I'm Chicago's Carrie Bradshaw without the Manolos, without the Gucci, without all of that. But I went in those stores to go find out where, where it was, what it felt like, and how it looked on me. So I was walking into Saks Fifth Avenue, I was walking into Bloomingdale's, I was in Neiman's, I was in Barney's. Y'all was parading down Michigan Avenue like I had money to blow. And I would go into these stores and grab all of these clothes and all of these accessories and the shoes and I would be in that fitting room trying everything on. I wanted to know what designer felt like. 
I want to feel it on my body, and I want to look. I wanted to look good in the mirror for just that maybe five to ten minutes. And the sales associates there, they were. I God bless their souls. They were so kind to me that by the time the second time they saw me come in, they knew not even to ask me if I was buying anything because I had no money. But you know, I wanted to feel and look good for a minute. So I'm like, I want to know what real leather feels like. I want to know what real silk feels like. I want to know what cashmere feels like. I wanted to know what these fabrics felt like. So by the time that I actually was able to afford it, I wouldn't be shocked and surprised. But you know, I'm still shocked and surprised these days too. So um, after trying on these clothes, I, I would always go back and read these these gossip magazines that I saw in the stores or go online and be like, oh, who, what, um, who wore what better? And I would go try to find the items back in the store and I would put on the exact same item and I would say, I look better. <laughs> I told myself I wore it best and it was just like, girl, please. I'm comparing myself to uh, women in Hollywood telling myself that I look better than them. And it's like, there was no way. But, you know, I felt fabulous at the moment. And once I looked in a mirror, I looked fabulous. And I, it, was, it was just, it was perfect for me because this is what I, I built in my head. So um, I would often hear... Uh, because I was like this in the city, you know, Nidra, you live in a fantasy. And that never bothered me. Like, why would you go window shopping? And I'm like, because I can. I can go window shopping. There's nothing wrong with that. But I didn't understand why people questioned what I did when I did all of this on my free time. You know, I would I would go to like the bookstores. I would go hang out with my friends, but if I had like 30 minutes, 45 minutes to just blow some time before going home or before work, I would go in these stores and, you know, have fun. You know, it may look weird to other people, but this is what this is what made me happy and I did it. And um there wasn't a problem with it and I didn't see a problem with it or feel like I had a problem with it until one day my sister mentioned it. Now, here is where we get into a great story time. All right, you guys listening? Because I, I rambled and I talked a lot about my background, how I be became this uh, force to be reckoned with with myself. And I'm gonna tell y'all where all of this broken, fabulous stuff came from. I'm going to call it stuff. So story time. And for the record, this was years ago. I was sitting in my sister's living room with her, my brother-in-law, and one of my close friends. And my sister decided to tell my friend some details about me. And you know what? It was funny. It was funny. Um, but all the fun and games stopped. When she told the story about how she had recently visited my aunt and my aunt asked her to, to describe me in two words 
And I was I was looking like, okay, girl, what you about to say? I'm, you know, I, I was for sure she was about to say, you know, oh, Nidris, this fashionista, she's funny, she's outgoing, she's the life of the party, you know, I'm elegant, you know, all that good stuff. I was waiting to hear it. But, you know, I was, uh, I was shocked by what was coming out of her mouth because she called me broke and fabulous. My jaw dropped to the floor. And then everybody in the room, including my friend, was laughing. Now that I think about it, y'all, I think he was laughing a little too hard. I think he was laughing a little bit too much for my liking. And in that moment, I may be acting a little dramatic right now, but I swear the room was spinning so slow and I'm watching everybody laugh. Like, it was not that funny, but I felt nauseous. Like, I was going to throw up and, you know, hearing, oh, broken, fabulous, ha, 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 broken, fabulous. And I'm like, why y'all keep saying it, you know? You know, they running around the room laughing, slapping their knees. It's like, relax. You know, y'all hurting my feelings. I felt that lump in your throat when you're about to cry. <laughs> and, you know, I was breathing a little heavy, like, I, could, I, could, I, couldn't, I couldn't function. And I, I, I said, I'm not broke. I'm just fabulous. You know, I pay my bills and, you know, I just do what I want to do. And, you know, at, at that time, I can admit that I was just spending my money as soon as I got it. So I spent my money on, like, clothes, shoes, concert tickets, Broadway shows, the ballet, and anything that I wanted to do. I was I was just spending my money. You know, I was outside. I was, I was thinking, how can I be broke if I'm living my life? And I was the only person not laughing. You know, I was hurt. You know, I felt like, you know, we going to laugh. Don't laugh at me. You know, laugh laugh with me, not at me. That's how I felt. And I was mad at my friend for agreeing with her. Like, excuse me, how dare you agree with my sister? Like, I had a ton of fun doing what I did to make me happy. And I was like, you know, she got the nerve to call me broke. I, I wasn't even focused on the fabulous part. It was the broke part that got me. And I was like, was I living in a different world from everybody else? And in that moment, it seemed like I was. Because, you know, everybody's laughing. And I was legit confused. And I left my sister's house with so much anxiety. I mean, I couldn't even sleep. And... Uh, you know, I had all of these thoughts every night, and it's like I couldn't even sleep most nights. It was, it was terrible. I, I was thinking about my life so much. I was like, you know, am I doing too much? Am I the drama? <laughs> you know, I'm like, I'm just balling on a budget. What's the problem? You know, you know. They say you need at least one hater in your life, but I'm like, that ain't my sister. She ain't. She was never a hater. She never hated on anything or anybody. And you know, I was tripping. Um, but for whatever reason, I sat alone for days trying to figure out why she called me broke. Like, I work a job. I was so offended. And I started really talking to myself. I was like, girl, you got money just like everybody else working at working and getting a W-2. And I, you know, I began to question, do other people think I'm broke? Like, 
are people looking at me like this girl? She thinks she's doing something. She with with her broke self. I don't want to, you know. They, I'm like, people are calling me broke. If my sister's calling me broke, I know other people are calling me broke. Lord have mercy. People was outside calling me broke. <laughs> and then you know, one night, I had this come to Jesus moment. She called me broke because it seemed like. I was spending money without regards to support my lifestyle. And, you know, from the outside looking in, you couldn't tell where I was getting my money from because I worked in retail. And it may have looked like I was living beyond my means, but in actuality, I wasn't. Not even close. I didn't go into debt. I didn't even spend money I didn't have. I did what I wanted to do, and I always found a way to benefit from a sale or get a deal. As a matter of fact, I attended parties, and I got into rooms that I wanted to get into. I dined at different restaurants I wanted to be at, you know, because I finessed my way. Like, I would go to uh, the ballet. Let's say that. I would go to the ballet, and... I would get one of those little nosebleed seats, but then I would look down and see an empty seat. And by intermission, I would just walk down there and sit there. So it looked like I was spending a lot of money, but I wasn't. You know, I went to the went to the nice restaurants. You know, I I got me a little cocktail and a little appetizer. Took a picture of the ambiance, but I left right after to go to McDonald's and grab something to eat. But you know, but I I did this because I created my world to look luxurious. I I didn't want to feel like I couldn't be there because I couldn't get an entree. I I felt like I shouldn't hold myself back from seeing a ballet or go to Broadway in Chicago because I couldn't get that ticket right up front. But the twenty five dollar ticket worked out fine too. You know, I didn't want to withhold myself from what I really wanted to do. Um, I found ways to look good under $100. Sometimes I I, I bought clothes and returned them because I, I wanted to look good for the moment. And don't act like y'all never return clothes after wearing it. I don't want to hear it. I worked in retail and I know how stylists do too. They pull clothes, let you know, celebrities, influencers wear them for a photo shoot and they return it or keep whatever they want. So, y'all, I'm, I'm fabulous. Can nobody tell me nothing? I was fabulous. Um, I also believe that she said that because I kept going to New York City. So, at that time, I was dating this guy who lived in New York and every other week, where was I? I was in New York City. I was living my best life. I was in the streets like Carrie Bradshaw. I was seeing my man. I was uh, going places with him. It just looked like I was just blowing my money. But to be honest, I was low-key doing it big with a laughable salary. Like, looking back, it's just like, wow, how did I manage to do that? But, you know, you find ways to, you know, do what you want to do when you want to do it. And that's what I did. You know, there, the, the, the outer parts of who I was and how I wanted to be fabulous had to happen. But I also had to work on the inner parts. 
that I struggle with as well, to be fabulous on the inside, to match the outside. And I had to overcome, you know, things like low self-esteem and get through like bad relationships. But no matter, no matter what I did in life or the struggles, I tried my best to show that I was in good spirits. And I didn't want to look like what I've been through. So I would always um, internalize any pain that I was going through. I would, I would, you know, break down for a minute. And you wouldn't know because I saved face so well. I would cry and then try to thug it out. That's that what people say. You, you get five minutes and you got to go back to doing whatever you got to do. That was me. I hid it so well because I did not want to be sad. I didn't want to be the sad girl. I didn't want to be the brokenhearted girl. I didn't want people to know that I was going through anything. So I saved face. I put on a smile or put on makeup and I held my chin high, held my head up, and I wore my crown and kept it moving whenever I felt broken. You know, I, I fought through that to feel fabulous and, you know, pat myself on the back because I, I still do that to this day. Um, and I want, I always want to smile in the midst of anything that's disastrous in my life. And um, I listened to uh, a particular song um, when I'm crying or when I'm feeling down and it reminds me to smile that smile by Nat King Cole love the song gets me through everything that I need to get through because I I'm a happy person I want to be happy I like my life I like being fabulous so the beauty in all of this is that I managed to find that pot of gold at the end of every rainbow and my life is fabulous because I created my world to be that way. I created this luxurious world. And no matter how much money you have, no matter how you're feeling, there's always a way to create some type of happiness for yourself. There's some way to make something fabulous for you. There's some way to make something luxurious for you. Like I have to set the tone for my life to make sure everything looks fabulous for me. When I go out, I wanna have like the best meals. I wanna taste things that taste good. I wanna taste things that look good. I wanna take pictures with it. You know, when, when people see me, of course I look good, but I want them to also smell me so I smell good. That's what I want. I want, I want, I want to go in and, you know, grab the testers and test it out and make sure it smells good on me before I go make a purchase, you know? Uh, what else do I want I, besides it all? You know, I want to feel luxurious. I want to go to spas and you know, do my whole skincare routine. I want facials, but if I can't make it there, I got to do it at home. Exfoliate the skin. Get to get, you know, wear a mask at home. I want my life to be fabulous. 
I want my life to be luxurious, but I have to do that in my own way. And we may not have the same outlook on life to making things fabulous and luxurious. And it may not be my way, but it can be your way. And that's what I want to help you find. And I want to encourage you to take control of the narrative in your life to making your life as fabulous as you want and as and as luxurious as you want as and I'm going to say something that Tabitha Brown says all the time cuz that's your business <laughs> she says that and you honestly you deserve you deserve that life that you want you and you have to work at it to create the life that you want and some of you might think it's hard but it's not that hard you just got to take little things and tweak them a little bit so I'm I'm going to close with this little gem because I've just been talking. Um, if you listen carefully to what people are saying and then you remove emotions, you would discover something as beautiful as I did. You know, I wouldn't have the name of my brand, which is Broken Fabulous, if I was too caught up in the emotions about my sister calling me broke, I wouldn't. You know, we may get caught up on that word, but guess what? It's okay. It's okay. You still have to live your, your best life, even if you are broke or broken. You know, and through all of this, I want to help guide you to living your most fabulous life. That's what I want to do. That's, that's, that's my job. I want to help. Pick me. Let me help you. <laughs> Let me help guide you. Let me share, you know, my tips, my secrets, all that good stuff with you. With that being said, welcome to the Broken Fabulous Podcast. <laughs> all right, guys, I'm out of here. If you're still listening, that means you've made it to the end of this podcast. And I'm so happy that you stayed with me until the very end. So I want to say thank you for listening. Guys, you can still stay connected with me for free by hopping on Instagram and following me and leaving me a message or a comment at Nidra J. That's N-E-I-D-R-A-J. Make sure you guys turn on your post notifications to catch the latest episode of the Broken Fabulous Podcast. Until next time, guys, I love you all and have a fabulous day.